Blog Talk Radio. It's April 19th, 2020. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Roy McKnight. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Listen Now, and Player FM. You may also follow us on Twitter. Okay, uh, as this coronavirus ravages our world, many tens of thousands have lost their lives to include far too many of our own UAW family. And one unique leader from past times, Ruben Burks, my friend, who I worked directly for as I was CAT coordinator for Region 1C. And since this writing, we've also lost Cal Rapson for reasons unknown. And Cal was the assistant director that I worked for as CAT coordinator in Region 1C. They passed within days of each other. Ruben went on to be the secretary treasurer of our union at the international level and Cal moved up to regional director and later to the office of vice president of GM department. And while this is far from over, our thoughts and prayers go out to family, friends, and co-workers, all persons, this terrible virus is claimed. And may each and every one of you rest in peace. Please let us observe a moment of silence as we revere and remember all those who have perished, and most especially all of our own fallen UAW members. Bring on Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? Ah, pretty good. You know, I mean, this... This whole thing has got everybody on pins and needles. They're, they're nipping at each other, sniping at each other. They've been, you know, sequestered in their homes. They're quarantined in their homes for, you know, far too long. But, you know, if we don't do it, uh, you know, the alternative may not be as good as we'd like. Uh, so, you know, I uh, I get a little cabin fever myself around and try to get out walk around a little bit every day myself. And uh, I just got a message from one of our sisters out in the uh, uh, heartland, I guess you'd call it. Uh, and she said she's put on 10 pounds. <laughs> she's walking 10 miles a day every day for the last five days to try and get rid of it. So good for her. And I hope everybody else has taken heed to that as well. Get out and get a little exercise because it's, 
you know, eventually going to be over and we have to get back to our regular lives. So how was your past couple of weeks, Joe? Quiet. I've been uh, trying to avoid watching the news, um, staying off Facebook as much as I was. It's just, um, we have these protesters in Lansing. And, uh, it's not a very good thing. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, I, uh, um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about the protesters. I, I feel their anger, but at the same time, you know, I hope they didn't kill more people by being in such close proximity, you know, because yeah. in the end, this is about, you know, protection, not, not out there flaunting yeah. whatever. I, I do know uh, that the state police picked up at least one pickup truck and uh, towed him off. I'm not sure what uh, that person was doing. don't know if it was a man or woman, but uh, it uh, is uh, something that they were real concerned about. They they had him in the back seat uh, and were watching the truck being towed, is my report. So uh, whoever that was, they were real serious about it. Uh, they were... Uh, you know, driving around, there are about 4,000 vehicles just, you know, at standstill for the most part downtown Lansing. And we have people that live right downtown Lansing. And um, we, um, uh, they were on CP radio, so it was kind of funny because our, our friend wasn't uh, as uh, uh, amenable to their presence because they were, he's, while he works from home, he uh, he had to deal with all that noise, so he got on the CB radio himself and uh, started telling me, he says, you know, I, I now know why they call you honkies. <laughs> they, they were looking their horn. He was pestering them to try to get him stopped. Yeah. That just simply wasn't going to happen. He didn't get much work done. That's bad, so it was kind of funny. Yeah, the protesters so, oh, really didn't bother me as much, but they didn't need their guns. You know, those AR-15s that they had, they, that was uncalled for. Right, right. And that's why I think the police were picking some of those people up. They they might have had fully automatic, because some of them have, the, you know, their, their uh, selector switch on them, and they can change them up or they can modify right. them pretty easily. Uh, and if they have done that, they're, they're, they're a problem with our fine state police in Michigan. That's for sure. And I've, I mean, I've been in some tough places in my life, you know, over to um, Mount McKinley, uh, where they have the motorcycle hill climbs. And uh, I watched the police surround a group of people, and they, they took them right out. State police just took them right out. There was probably... 40 or 50 state police, and they had maybe a dozen, well, about 20 people, motorcycle gangs, and they just took them right out. They were doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. I'm not sure what it was, but they were real serious about it. They had their weapons drawn, and they were ready ready for that. So um, 
anybody who thinks that they can out, you know, weaponize our, our government, you know, it's uh, in this day and age, it's probably uh, thinking the wrong thing. I'm not a fan of all of that, but when they, you know, when they need to, they protect us. So, and they will. I believe we have somebody's hand up. I saw saw a hand here a minute ago. We got a lot of people in the switchboard. Thank you for popping in. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, and when you raise your hand, you go to the top, so I can see it. And let's bring on. I believe this this is possibly our friend from Youngstown that I've known almost my whole life, uh, from about 10 years old, 11 maybe. Uh, and we didn't maintain contact all that time, but we sure uh, come from the same cloth. Welcome, Tom, to the show tonight. How are you? I'm doing fine, Leroy. Uh, how, how are you and Jeff doing? Pretty good. You know, I mean, it, it's not a good time in our country. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we, a, a time where we all just got to stay hunkered down. I, I, you know, and uh, you know, I'm, but I'm doing, I'm doing okay with. It. I'm getting a lot of things done here that, um, you know, I have some extra time to get done around the, the office here. So I've uh, got it, you know, going on. And uh, what about you, Jeff? You got any response to Tom's question? Well, I've been doing sleeping. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, this would be my main main hobby. Yeah, well, yeah, that's I, all right. Yeah, I got the same feeling here, uh, Leroy. I I called you this morning and uh, I was bitching at you about not having the radio show on at seven o'clock. Here it was seven o'clock in the morning. That's how screwed up this virus got me. Yeah, that 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 kind of yeah. It, it, I think uh, that was you know must have been in the air this morning as. Uh, I uh, uh, it, everybody's looking for the show, and they really wanted it it's so bad that they wanted it early this morning. So it was kind of funny, uh, but you know that's okay, Tom. You know you're in good company, anyhow. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know it, it's, are, it's are, enjoyable are you, are, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Are you insinuating that's you were you were ready to do the show? No, I wasn't ready at 7 a.m. <laughs> I don't imagine that. <laughs> Jeff said he had to. <laughs> it was just like, you know, the, the, the day had already been going on for 10 hours, you know. Sorry, guys. I, I was up late and such things, uh, working on stuff. And uh, we got a lot of stuff to report on tonight. And we're going to update the. Uh, uh, the uh, announcements because of that. We got a few really nice emails and one uh, one that I forgot to put in here and I'll, I'll get that one in uh, as well. But uh, for now, let's uh, uh, if any, we got anything else to comment on on, on your week, a few weeks, you know, I mean, we, we've tried to lead by example and just be quiet. Sometimes it's better to just say quiet so that listeners know uh, Sometimes not what you say, but what you don't say. And yeah. we, yeah, we try to have some uh, uh, peace for everybody and uh, just 
had a couple of uh, encore shows that we had that aired. And then Easter, we just didn't do anything because it was holiday, you know, notwithstanding everybody's home alone uh, for the most part. You're not allowed to go see your families and stuff. But, uh, you know, we still didn't have a show. Uh, but we had reached out to a couple of elected officials and wanted them to try and talk to us uh, and have some, um, you know, hope and calmness about all of this, but we're getting that pretty much every night from either Como or Trump or somebody's out there, uh, you know, so, uh, so having said all of that, but uh, Jeff, you want to uh, take that? We're going to, like, again, we're going to uh, abate the uh, announcements, a lot of stuff going on here, everybody's been watching Facebook, so it's, you know, probably nothing new, uh, that, so, uh, but um, you want to start the emails there, Joe? Sure. Thank you for leading by example and suspending your shows during a COVID crisis. Leadership had encouraged us to stay home. Uh, my screen went black. Okay. Leadership had encouraged us to stay home. Sometimes it's not what you say, but what you don't say. Name withheld. Uh, we want to thank you. thank you. We do attempt to always do the right thing. And while we are not yet out of the what, under the shelter of placeholders, discussions about when to, safe, to safely return in order. Um, so, right. Somebody wrote in and you know, thanked us for not having the show there. And uh, we'll we'll talk more about when when it's going to be safe, in our opinion. Uh, so uh, let me take the second one. Regarding the COVID disruption of the local union elections, why is it that some aspiring leaders, uh, that all all some aspiring leaders can do is complain to the members to appeal, not having elections on time and not offer any solutions. Well, the name of hell. Uh, well, you're going to have to ask others why. But tonight you're going to hear some solutions to this election problem. And it's not really a problem quite yet, but it's, it's getting there. Because uh, most of the terms expire, uh, you know, at the end of May, early June, three-year terms. And uh, we'll talk about that more later in the show. Uh, number three, when do you think it will be safe to return to work? Uh, we'll be talking more about that later in the show. Right. This is an important question. Yes, it is. Yeah. What is your opinion about the six-foot proximity wristbands? Name withheld. And i got to tell you, oh, my. Likely, this has been thought up by engineers who've never set foot in an auto plant to actually see the close proximity of tandem jobs, et cetera. And we're going to have more on that later in the show. Yeah. Okay, the last one. Congratulations on beginning your fifth year of your radio show. And thanks to Jeff Brown, Leroy McKnight, 
and Tom Albrecht and all the other hosts and special guests along the way and for educating us so much about our union. Name withheld. Uh, we want to thank you very much as we aspire to bring you the best information and education. And that's all of the emails, Leroy. Yeah, I, I got another one, Jeff, that I, I forgot. Uh, actually, it was a call that I, that I got. It wasn't an email, but uh, it was from a sister uh, woman, uh, so we'll say that. And uh, she was real concerned the day of the protests here in Lansing, Michigan. And I got a call from her, and she said, why are they doing this to Governor Gretchen Whitmer and they're not doing it to Governor Fomo. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, they've done about the same thing. But a long time ago, probably when I was in the service, somebody told me that if you want somebody to do something that they really don't want to do themselves him in such a way as that they'll ask you if they can take their wife and kids with with them or their husband and kids and they're yours as we now know today it's a different time today and I look over at Como and I see a lot of sort of fireside chats where he's talking with the people much like a, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did with his fireside chats during the Depression. And I know our governor here in Michigan wants to be president someday, and she's been really good house rep, she's been really good senator, good prosecutor, and now she's a governor. Uh, and this is her first foyer in the governor, uh, executive branch. And Cuomo's second-generation governor for the state of New York and has a lot of practice doing all this. And it's a learning curve for our current governor here in Michigan. You can't espouse, I have an executive order, and you have to abide by it. You have to ask them in such a way that they'll ask you if they can take their wife and kids with them. It's a different leadership style, and that's why, for the most part. And I must say that when they started adding in fishing boats at the beginning of fishing season in Michigan, they kind of crossed the line. But I think, in my opinion, there is something more going on because the intended benefit, or maybe the intended benefit, is that the world's carbon footprint has gotten lower during this time. And I'm going to say, I think our Earth made a well-deserved little break. And that's why you're seeing anything with a carbon footprint being sidelined. And if people really knew what our governor was doing regarding that, if that indeed is one of the goals 
is to keep the carbon footprint low so our world can heal. And she's doing that. And God bless her for it. And we need more like her. But we'll see when it all shakes out. I think it's a different style of leadership that could have been done a little differently. But it is what it is. And you can't put the genie back in the bottle, as they say. So, having said that, uh, any comments on that, Tom or Jeff? No, I think she did the right thing. The, uh, it's about the analogy. The analogy you put forth, Leroy, was uh, very excellent in regards to uh, the governor from the state of New York. Uh, he uh, humbles himself and puts himself in the shoes of the everyday citizen and comes across as if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. And uh, and I think that's how he's relating to folks out there. I know when I watch him speak, he sends chills down my spine sometimes in, in regards to the fact that he is actually putting himself into the very position that a lot of folks are are in out there. He has a brother and a sister-in-law that are suffering from the disease. And I don't care what party affiliation or anything you have. I mean, we're all human beings on this planet, and that's the way he's coming across to the citizens of New York and many other people across this nation. And I think you summed it up much better than I could ever sum it up. You you hit the nail on, on, on the head with your uh, analogy. Thank, thank you, Tom. I I, it, it wasn't one call. That was the first call I got. But I had a dozen calls on on that very issue. Why Gretchen and not Cuomo? So, and, and I call her Gretchen because I've known her since she's been elected. She's been my rep, senator and prosecutor. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm in her corner, but, you know, we all have a learning curve sometimes, you know. And, and I hope this has been a learning uh, experience for her, and I hope she listens to the show tonight. And I know she does from time to time, and I hope that she can uh, uh, learn just from what we've been said here tonight. So, uh, and I, I wish we were closer because I, I would, as I did. See, I I was very successful in the middle '90s, well, most of the '90s, because I coached a lot of people behind the scenes before. They jumped out on certain issues, and it, it worked well, you know. So, uh, I, you know, and in the end, you know, I uh, must say that we had good leaders uh, that had all their faculties about them and did a good job for, for our community here, uh, you know, during and after my, there's still people elected around here that, uh, that I helped uh, and have helped since. So they're, they're, you know, we're well served with leaders who go out there and temper people before they jump in to the fire and make sure they do the right thing. And we're lacking that lately at the local, county, state, and national level. And we can talk about that another time. But I've had to make a a lot of defense for what's going on here lately, and uh, uh, I, I don't like having to defend that, and nor am I. 
because uh, we get we all deserve better. So, and read between the lines on that, what you will. Uh, it isn't partisan. Period. I'll just say that. Uh, so, uh, let me let me move the, the show forward here a little bit. Uh, thank you, Tom and Jeff, for all your comments there, and getting through the, the emails tonight. We have a definition. It's called rabble rouser. It's a noun, a person who stirs up the passions or prejudices of the public, usually for his or her own interests, also known as a demagogue. Any comments on that, Thomas? Yeah. Okay. Jeff, uh, you want to take the quotes? Go ahead, Jeff. Well, okay. Okay, You're, Trans- take the quotes. Like hell is not easily conquered. And that was by Thomas Paine. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's by S. C. Lewis. So the first one again, Jeff, I think you broke up there at the beginning. Yeah, I'll take it. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, Thomas Paine. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, both of those are quite true. So, uh, Jeff, you, you want to talk about uh, the two leaders, I mean, there's a lot of people that we've lost, uh, and we don't want to just single out any anyone, but we do have a couple of leaders that we've lost in the past 10 days or so, uh, and it's uh, it's sad. I mean, I'm, I'm real sad about Ruben because I was pretty close with him uh, passing on, and he was one of the last uh, uh, of the good guys, so to speak, and he was a... Walter Ruther pointy, but Jeff, you want to talk about it? I mean, you you knew my uh, my own affinity for and friendship with Ruben so much that you saw a, uh, a button online, Burke's team, and you you bought that for me, and I much appreciate that, Jeff, and uh, say that from everybody. But I know you uh, know quite a bit about uh, them as well. If you want to report on that, please. I didn't know either one of the gentlemen well, but I heard a lot about them, um, a lot of good things about them. Um, Ruben, of course, went on to become a regional director. And then the last that I heard of uh, Kirsten, and I heard his name a lot, especially during contract times. Because his name will be all over the place. Um, he ended his career as a member of Congress. He finished out somebody's term. Um, I don't know why. I did try to look it up. But both those gentlemen were very powerful and well respected in, in our union, and uh, they will be missed. The guys. Ruben, Ruben did just amazing things for 
problems in the community and problems within our UAW that he was able to navigate and uh, correct. He did a good job of it without beating his chest in front of everybody. And mm -hmm. Cal Rapson had, you know, he held a lot of offices, probably the most two distinctive uh, ones, uh, notwithstanding he was the regional director, but he, in 1982, he was the chairperson of the national negotiating, negotiating team before he was on staff. Again, chairperson of the National Negotiating Team for, in 1982. And then later, he was regional director, and then he uh, rose to vice president of General Motors Division, and he was vice president during the 2007 GM UAW contract and oversaw that during that time. So those were uh, defining moments about him. Uh, so I... I think I'll leave it at that. Unless you have anything more to add, Jeff or Tom, do you want to jump on in on Jeff's report and add anything? Uh, had a few meetings uh, with Cal Rapson uh, right around the 2008-2009-2007 time frame when uh, Lordstown was looking for a product. Actually uh, uh, was instrumental in getting us a, a new product for the, the facility. Uh, steadfastly stood behind the leadership of uh, uh, the locals out there in helping to attain, at that time, it would have been the uh, new Chevrolet Cruze uh, to be manufactured. We were coming out of a six-year cycle with the old Cobalt, and he actually uh, spoke to several of us in that time frame at a, at a local tavern. We went for dinner and lunch, and uh, very personable, well-liked gentleman by all members that attended the meeting. I can't speak for everybody. I mean, people think differently of different people for whatever reasons. But uh, he was a very enjoyable person to be around and to talk to. And if you had a question, he was one that said, no question, it is dumb. Uh, only he could give a dumb answer to the question. So he was that kind of guy. And uh, very helpful, very warm, and, and it seemed to be a kind-hearted individual. Uh, Reuben, I wasn't around at all. He, of course, he was up there in Michigan. But uh, from what you have expressed and what uh, uh, others that uh, I have talked to had nothing but great things to say about that gentleman. He was certainly a people person, and uh, he, he wasn't one of those that uh, walked around with a chip on his shoulder. There's a lot of leaders out there that need their egos massaged all the time, you know, and uh, we have them in local government, uh, state government, national government. I, I think we've seen enough of that for a while. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, both both gentlemen seem to me that uh, they really were in time, and I only can say this, I wish we had a lot more like them today. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said, Tom. And both of them were very personable, um, and uh, they were both. I mean, I had a special relationship with Reuben because I worked with his son for 20 years before he passed away of uh, leukemia. Uh, Reuben's son, Donnie, was instrumental in type and cross matching uh, bone marrow. 
uh, and probably uh, I, I've heard experts say that uh, Donnie Burks knew more about the uh, bone marrow typing cross-matching than anybody else on the planet. And that's the kind of son that Ruben raised. And I was a friend of his uh, for a good long while. I worked with him for a good long while as well. Uh, and, but both of those men are very personable. Uh, they didn't get to be high-level union leaders without having some uh, nice personalities. You know, I mean, they were, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they were always kind to me as I worked directly for both of these men, okay, and uh, complimentary, and they were pleased to have me do that job, and never a crossword, and never uh, did they call me on the carpet, ask me to explain some things from time to time, why are we here on this issue, and once they understood, they were fine with it. Uh, but that wasn't being called on the carpet. That's just, you know, they needed to understand the, the uh, method, methodology that the decision was made. So they, they are very, very good, uh, good men. And, um, you know, Cal had a couple of haunts around the Flint area, uh, and I'd see him out now and then. Uh, and if I ever needed him, I knew where he was. I could go, you know, tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, got this going on. Uh, so, uh, and Ruben didn't frequent the bar as much. He just did not do that. Um, so, uh, you know, I obviously had direct contact with both of them by phone, too. Uh, having said all that, uh, they're going to be missed. Uh, you know, and not to single out two persons in the middle of all this COVID, uh, but they were leaders of our great union. And uh, they were uh, before the time of all of what's going on. So, uh, and we've lost them. And uh, Cal, we don't know why, how Cal passed away. We, there's no reason given that we knew. So, uh, having said that, I, I was pleased to be associated and work for both of them. So, uh, and I have a lot more stories, but I'm not going to belabor that anymore. So, all right, getting in my report. Let's start off with 5G phones. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody fully understands what the 5G upgrade is in our phone system. I understand it's come from China. Uh, I can't, be, you know, test to that absolutely, but that's where I believe that they were uh, developed this whole system. It's going to change cell phone delivery and cell phone data delivery uh, in ways that most people don't understand. But I'm going to give you a little brief synopsis of what 5G phones mean to our members and the community at large, and most especially in the urban areas and some suburban areas, but probably not so much in the rural areas, okay, where there's, you know, it's going to be different uh, usage out there, I guess. So, uh, you have to know what a standing wave is, first of all. That's a wavelength for uh, radio frequency. And as I look at my ham radio, I can tell you that the 
the frequencies are 100 and uh, only 160 meters is the longest one. But it's on my uh, radio dial on my my radio, uh, and uh, it's a ham radio, and it's 160, and that's a real tall wavelength, and it's you know it bottoms uh, every 160 meters. Okay, and it tops. It has a uh, uh, apex at every 160 meters. That's a very long wave, and it gives very little interference because you only see it every 160 meters. Very little interference with humans or any animals or plants or anything. And then the next one down is 80. The same thing goes with it. It's a standing, it's called standing wave. That's how tall it is and how, how often it would hit the, the earth as it moves in what's called a sine wave, S-I-N-E, uh, wave, which is basically a circle, but it just keeps undulating out into the, you know, as far as it'll go. The longer the wave, the more that it'll make the curve of the earth. And, uh, you know, I've uh, known people to talk to uh, South Africa on the 160. And then there's an 80, and then uh, the 40 was the most popular by most people, and you could easily talk to South Africa on any given day, and anywhere else around the world, pretty much from the Midwest of the United States. Uh, and then it dropped down to 20, and then there's a 15 that's not as popular because it's not a, a iteration of 10, uh, 20, 40. Uh, 80 or 160, uh, but then you go down to 10, and then I, uh, there's a six, and then you drop to two, and those are all considered the the, the lower ones. That's short wave, short wave radios. Okay, and the television and radios are in the middle of all of that. Okay, they're kind of in the middle, and they're mostly called. You'll hear this from time to time. Line of sight. Okay, the, the really short ones. Okay, and then there's these uh, mini waves, you know, that are under two meters. And then there's the microwave that I can't even, I, I, I'm not familiar with exactly the, the length of a microwave, but it is less than a quarter of an inch, I would expect. And it's the same thing that your microwave uh, uses in your microwave oven in your in your household, and they're using these microwaves in the 5G delivery system. The same things that are in your in your oven, and they have a very very short distance in which they're effective. Five or six hundred feet. That's it. In order for them to be effective, they're going to have to put repeater antennas every five or six hundred feet in the neighborhoods. And those microwaves will then penetrate omnidirectional 360 degrees around where they're at in every direction, in every household, in every business. And in the businesses, they'll put one every floor or two so that they can 
work inside of these skyscrapers, 100-story skyscrapers or 17-stories, whatever they are, they're going to put them in close proximity with each other so they will work. And the problem with that is they're microwaves. And we weren't able to post it, but it made the rounds in personal messages. And I made sure that all of the folks that are in my circle uh, got to see it. Because if you put a piece of aluminum foil or anything metal in a microwave oven, you'll know real quick that it, you know, gives off lost sparks, right? And you got to take your metal thing out of there. And they, they tell you, don't put metal in it. It'll burn the house down. If you leave it in there long enough. So somebody got the brilliant idea of taking a 5G phone, laying it on the ground, and they went and bought some steel wool. And they tore it in a way that they could make the big circle phones look. I guess, sorry, seven inches. They made a circle of about eight or nine inches around the, never touching the phone, and then they called it. And the steel wool lit right up. And that's what you need to know about microwave 5G system. That's next to your head when you're using it, and it's all around you as they have the repeater delivery system and posted up and down your streets. This is not a good thing. I understand they voted on it in one of the houses and approved it recently. And we've talked about it, most of us, and decided 5G wasn't such a good thing. One of our team members has been working with some young people in an effort to try and stop it for some time. That team member came to me and asked about it, and I ran it by most everybody. I sent out a, uh, an email to everybody, and we uh, didn't have much pushback because everybody kind of gets it, right? So we got the approval, and uh, sometimes just by acquiescence, because sometimes people just don't go ahead and and respond, they just, you know, if they have a problem, they'll let me know. So uh, we got a letter, a template letter, to be mailed to Congress and to anybody you want to. And we put that on the website, .com. It's called 5G Opposition. On the left sidebar, it's the top page that's that you can see. Uh and then you just click on that and go to the page. On the page, again, it has the letter. You can copy and paste it. And then there's a PDF that you could download or just look at. And everything in red on the PDF has to be changed on your letter that you copy and paste into a Word document, right? So you got to change the date. you got to change the... Congressperson or the senator or your, your local people, and of course you got to change your name and print your name and the date that you sign it. Uh, and pretty much everything else is just there for, for you to just go ahead and mail in. It's 
kind of done for you. And we're going to ask you, everybody's sitting around with nothing to do, and they're all, you know, wound up at each other. Let's try and do a positive thing while you're off. Won't take you probably half hour. You know, copy it, paste it into a Word document, change what you need, and send it in. We got a, a million members sitting around right now, can't leave their house. And this is one thing that's going to affect us in a very negative way. And we're asking you from working for a living to please take a look at just going out there and downloading the letter. You, there's a once you have it downloaded and you see what you have to change, you know, the red portions, uh, the names and dates and stuff in your name. And uh, then there's also a link on that very same page that takes you to an, another page that we've set up years ago that will give you your current representative's name and address, and maybe their email. You can send an email if you want, okay? As, as an attachment, simple enough to do. So if you you know if you can do that, I think it's going to send a message like no other to the Congress that we elect that's supposed to be out for our best interest. And this 5G system can't be in any way in our best interest. And if you think about where it originated, you know, especially given the virus that we're now enduring. I don't want to get into conspiracy theories or nothing, you know, but let's just take a look at the origin of some of this stuff and how bad it can be for us, okay, and take a minute, take about a half an hour out of your day and, and do this. We all, I mean, everybody's all, you know, interneted up. You know, you got your computer and your printer and your cell phone, everything, you know, so you you can, if you can get it, get it printed. I think it's something that we can do, and uh, you know, I, I don't know how we could track what you're doing, but I'm sure there's a way uh, that you can just go to this this uh, radio show posting, or uh, we'll probably make another posting for that. Just like it, just just give it a thumbs up after you've done it, you know. And, you know, we're not telling you what to do, but we're pointing you in a direction that you can do some good while you're off. And this is something that's very serious. I've explained what microwaves are, okay? Radio frequency is very, very dangerous. And with a lot of wattage, um, like they have on ships, they got to show all the radios down when the guys go up to climb the masts and uh, go up and repair the uh, radio wire, radio antenna wire. And if they turn it on, there's been sailors that have been fried. They just look like Swiss cheese when they fall and land on the deck. And I learned that 50-some years ago in a way that I really want to tell you. So it's it's gruesome. 
with how a lot of wattage behind them. So uh, radio waves, radio frequency, uh, radiation comes off of every antenna. And then it becomes exactly how much wattage are they and what frequency are they are depending on how dangerous they can be. And microwaves are dangerous. I'll just, you know, let it, let it be known. That's our opinion. And uh, so, all right, having said all of that, uh, Jeff or Tom, you got any input on that? No, I don't. You're right. Tom? You with us? Here we go. Hello, Tom, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. You got any any comments on it? Yeah, the only question I would have on that is, is, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that would like to know uh, how you uh, had the experience with the RF burn. It wasn't while there was a rally going on up at Lansing and and you were over at your friend's house and you were moving some antenna around so they could talk to somebody on the CB, was it? No. It was a military experience, and it wasn't pleasant. Right. That's far worse. Oh, yeah, that's far worse. RF burn off an antenna will will definitely uh, do some harm to you. That's that's for darn sure. I thought maybe it was while right. you were over helping. Oh, no, I, I wasn't over. I, this was reported to me that he was on Channel 15 CB radio. <laughs> I wasn't there. I, I got that secondhand, but it was funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> won't mention no names, but I, I understood that uh, that uh, there was some good conversations going on during that period of time up there in Lansing. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, you know, my my friend that was you know working trying to work from home and trying to get their attention a little bit is also uh, quite. Um, um, uh, Let's just say um, he's 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 got an open mind about pretty much everything except conservatism. But God love him, he's out there doing whatever he wants to do, uh, and it was it was funny. <laughs> Lots of things yeah. got said. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't want to be carrying too many tales, but it, it was, you know, it was a funny day. It was an interesting day, to say the least. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, that's it. I just, I, I was just curious because uh, we had a conversation over the telephone the other day when that was all oh, going yeah. on, and you had told me about that experience, yeah. and I, I, I thought that you got too close to the antenna. No, I wasn't there. <laughs> I, was, I was working on other projects. Uh, and, yeah. and so that everybody knows, I mean, this whole unemployment thing uh, is new to a lot of people. And we have some retirees that actually own some businesses that are affected by this. UAW members are retirees that, are, that own businesses and some pretty healthy businesses. And they needed assistance and they weren't getting it. So I called my house rep and, and got a little direction, and my house rep uh, gave me a 
enough to where I could go and assist them. So I've been doing that. I probably helped, I don't know, uh, more than a dozen people uh, in their uh, getting money for their businesses. They were UAW members and also uh, more than a dozen same people uh, that were qualifying for uh, what's called uh, pandemic unemployment assistance. And, uh, you know, know, these are building loyalties for people. You know, when you're getting them uh, real money, uh, they become pretty loyal. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, one-stop shop here. We try to do everything for our membership that we can. So hopefully uh, that's going to work out for all of them. And and they're not done yet, so we'll have to. I got a couple of calls. I got to return as soon as the show's over. So that's what I was doing when all that stuff was going on. I was helping other people. Um, some people don't understand how to do that, but I'm. Uh, they are aspiring to be in charge, but we, on on our team, do it on a regular basis. Uh, so we thank everybody on our team for doing that too. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the local union elections. We talked um, a minute ago, and somebody sent in an email, but also uh, the terms of office are going to expire pretty soon for a three-year term, right? How do you run your union if you do that? Well, if you're like a lot of the also-rans, you just tell all the membership to put in an appeal and bitch about it. Here we're going to say there's some things that can be done. Uh, the terms of office are uh, set by the local unions in their bylaws for the most part. And because the International Executive Board, as much as they're hated right now, uh, is responsible for the uh, running of the union and by the way, everybody's oath of office, I know some of them are holding uh, court, but never held office. And having never held office, they don't know that the um, uh, oath of office says that you, and when all else is unclear, you're supposed to use the dictates of common sense. And that's in the oath of office. Again, some have never held office, so they don't know that. They've never taken it. Few actually have attended, even attended union meetings and out there wanted to be the leader. So, and they're saying they should appeal. Well, okay, appeal. Here we're going to say that the federal law, Title 29 U.S.C. 481B, says the term should be for no less than three years. For any union official. And the next ones uh, that uh, are elected would be if you go to the cycle that we're currently in, you know, May and June, they get put into office by uh, uh, June. Then their term is going to be shorter if we have to postpone the elections for until July or August or whatever. They they take the, the oath of office when they're installed. Uh, So a recommendation is that our leadership in the International Executive Board get with the legal department 
and this is this is suggestion. It's our opinion that they should, just like they did with the VIBA when they had to ask for a waiver of the Enron rule and the EEOC rule that said you have to give the same health care to actives as retirees. They got a waiver for both of those rules. Well, now we need a waiver for the federal law. And just simply draft a letter, send it in, and request a waiver, and they have a little system that they have to go through in order for it to have, you know, come in, into effect. But the sooner the better they could do that. In addition to that, they can take international executive board action to extend such terms of office as need be and shorten such terms of offices that need be due to this natural disaster called COVID-19. It is because of no one's fault that we have a national disaster and people trying to rabble-rouse, we heard that word earlier, the membership aren't doing any good about solidarity in our union. So we're going to try and, you know, offer a solution and not, not going to support any uh, appeals on this matter. We have an appeal uh, that's uh, moved, been moved up to the Public Review Board and... Uh, that's all I'll say about that at the moment. Uh, but it is in protection of retirees, pensions that are set to be cut in half because the market's going down. And maybe pay attention. It's been on top of our web uh, Facebook page for at least four years. It's been at the top of our Facebook page on how this would happen to retirees. Of course, it's not our job to make the company competitive, and that clause needs to be out. And if it is, in fact, unconstitutional, that can be problematic for those who left it in there. We don't know for sure. We've deferred to others with credentials and higher authority to determine that for us. And, of course, there is this also a temporary situation. And work permits are given to temporary workers. Constitution says, Jeff, what's the Constitution say? Repeat that again. What's the Constitution say about temporary workers? Oh, they can only have uh, three months of temporary work before they get hired in full-time. Right. And that's what our appeal is about. That temporary language, we got it about the uh, competitive clause and about the retirees having the pension cut. And we don't know if that's unconstitutional to negotiate such matters. And we didn't participate in the bargaining procedure. We participated after it was announced the result of the bargaining procedure and the ratification vote, and we appealed the, the result after the fact. So those of you seeking to 
trying to make hay on my ass. Good luck. You got a long way to go. You got a lot more marbles to carry before you can do that. So, uh, having said that, anybody got any comment on on the offer of a suggestion, resolution, solution to this uh, local union election situation? Tom, or let's start with Tom this time. No, I I don't have any uh, suggestions. You hit the nail on the head, and I. uh... I think that the, the procedures are clear, and uh, that should be uh, a, a primary concern to the international to make sure that information gets out to the uh, locals uh, in regards to what's going to be happening down the road or what they're thinking about. Uh, so everybody's on board with it in the form of a call letter, and they may have to go up to Detroit or something. But here again, we're in different times that maybe have to be done with a telephone call instead of uh, large groups of people. So I would have to say they're going to have to do a lot of teleconferencing or what's that thing the kids are using now? Zoom, 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 you know, the the education online. So I think you hit the nail on the head again, Leroy. Well, you know, it's going to take a little more than just somebody saying it. You're exactly right. There's a process. And they, you know, they have a leadership meeting every November prior to the uh, the uh, constitutional convention, and in my opinion, that's been disabused quite a bit. But that leadership meeting is the same kind of thing that the presidents and sheriff persons go uh, and uh, uh, determine cert- such things as this. And then once you get buy-in by the you know local union leadership on it, then you can take an act on it. But it isn't just the president or any member of the IEB saying this is the way it is. There's a process, like you just said, Tom. And, and I was probably remiss in, in not outlining that, but they know what they got to do. Uh, and thank you for bringing that out so that everybody now knows what they're supposed to do. Uh, and exactly right. Jeff, you got anything to add on it? No, no, I don't. Okay. You did a good job. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we got a couple more things here. Uh, uh, we had some youthful exuberance uh, on the matter of Roy Gamble's election and who should have recused himself and who should have not recused himself uh, and who didn't that should have. Uh, and uh, the uh, tenant of personal interest and con- that, that, that denotes conflict of interest uh, means just exactly that. Do you have a personal interest in making a vote? And there's all manner of uh, federal law, actually. There's two, two federal laws. I actually quoted them in the appeal here recently. Uh, and one's a CFR and one's 29, uh, yeah, it's 29 USC and like, can't recall exactly it's the number, but uh, it you know it, it's two types of federal law about, uh, and that's actually in uh, Article Seven of the uh, Manuel Griffin Act. So uh, they were talking that it was in six, but it's seven. Uh, having said that, um, uh, anybody with 
a personal interest in an election or a vote of any kind should recuse himself. And that happens all the time in, in local, state, federal government. They have vested interest because they have financial concern or a personal interest, okay? And that's the measure for recusing yourself. Everybody wanted Jones to recuse himself, but Jones didn't have a personal interest. The only thing he had was an interest in seeing that the UAW's water was carried, the membership's water. He didn't benefit by making a vote in any way. He had no personal interest in it. He had an interest for UAW. But the three vice presidents who made most of the noise in the minutes did have a personal interest because they were all aspiring to be president. Jones was going to resign the next day or he was going to take a suspension the next day. He was still president. But the three vice presidents had an obligation to recuse himself. And youthful exuberance, exuberance, ignorant of the law, doesn't understand all of that. Cindy wanted to be the first female president. Rory wanted to be the first African-American president. Jesus wanted the status quo. But there was somebody under the gun already that knows more than we do about the corruption in our union. And he picked Rory. And everybody needs to understand that. And stop dividing our picking unions. Get a little bit of information and about half a minute's worth of knowledge and you go out and start writing crap. And most of it's uh, irrelevant, and half of it not true, and certainly not abiding by the law. The measure for recusal is do you have a personal interest? I have administered that at the local, region, and state levels as a leader in our community. Many, many times. I'm sorry others lack that experience, but now you have it. At least the knowledge. Okay. Last issue. Any, any, any comments on that, Tom or, or Jeff? Tom first. I would only say that uh, in, in this instance, uh, what you expressed is uh, solidly true to, to the best of my knowledge. And uh, here again, the person deliver, delivering the message always opens his program with what phrase, and only you can repeat it and say it because it comes from an honest heart that is, is truly uh, a benefactor to, uh, to uh, knowledge from past experience, from people, from uh, as the younger folks would say, ancient times when the union was the union. And I think uh, part of that phrase is opinions that count. And here again, you can count on that opinion. Jeff, got anything to add about, about the personal interest? Yeah. Uh, you did a good job on it, right? Okay. Well, okay, thank you, Jeff. 
You know, I, I was cap coordinator for 11 counties. And what that means, you have to try and get people elected in 11 counties, but also hold them to account to put a, the best face forward for the people that we endorse and represent our members in the community. It's a tough job, and it's not being done properly anytime lately, or we wouldn't have stuff going on like we do. Because we, the members of the UAW, are a substantial and significant political force. And that needs to be echoed in all the halls of government. And you can repeat that for me when you're talking to your reps. Okay, the last issue, COVID and when to return to work. I, just before the show, uh, one of the members that are in our group that I've known since the day uh, the member hired in sent me a video. And it was a young man saying that, uh, you know, these rallies, et cetera, in Florida, people running around close proximity without masks aren't doing anybody any good, most especially themselves. And he said, we have to use some common sense. And he went on to articulate about a man and a woman, husband and wife, that died, that were friends of his. Had a nephew that died, friend of his. Co-worker that died, friend of his. He's tired of seeing people die from COVID-19 because of other stupid people running around wanting people to go back to work too early and walking around in public without proper protective equipment. Gloves, plastic, plastic gloves are available. The masks are a little hard, but they've turned us loose. Bought a cottage industry, masks. You know, there are seamstresses out there making them up and essentially giving them away. You know, I've had a couple given to me. And as you know, I bought mine, you know, three months ago for all my friends that are close proximity to me. No foresight. And there's always a matter of the 300 million masks that we refused to come here. And while they might not have been good for surgical masks, they could have been put on the public. After all, we saw China didn't get it get a handle on it until he put masks on everybody. And if you look back 100 years ago, in 1918, there were signs, don't wear a mask and, or wear a mask or go to jail. So it was worse back then. All we have to do is have some common sense, set it home for the most part. If you want to go out to the park and walk, do it in a way that you're not close to anybody. You've got to get out of the house of driving nuts. Get your groceries, go to the bank, go to the pharmacy, get what you need, 
and stay home as much as possible. Sanitize everything around you. Because I have contacts, I got cans of sanitizer. Claire makes them, C-L-A-I-R-E. They're industrial, and they uh, are the same thing that they clean up ambulances with. And I've been given three cans of that, and I spray on everything around here. Notwithstanding that, you know, I and most of my friends think I had it several months ago because of my close proximity to the airport passengers. So uh, we have to have some common sense. And this isn't just us as human, you know, the, the human beings in our society. This is the leadership that directs us, whether it's the corporation or our union. And we need them to have our best interest in mind in all, all of this. Hoffa expressed it probably best here a few days ago, and I posted it out on my page and some other pages. I got a lot of feedback on it. Yes, please keep us safe. Others just, I'm ready to go back to work. Well, just because you're ready doesn't mean it's safe. And these wristbands that they wanted, you know, there's been all manner of discussion about them, not the least of which is the notion that uh, What's it going to be if you're working around a finished product? Are you going to be scratching the paint on the vehicle? They're not allowed to wear belt buckles in some some jobs. Now they're going to put a wristband on them, probably a metallic wristband, because it has to have a proximity meter in it. And, oh, by the way, as we discussed earlier, what about the tandem jobs? And what about the jobs that are just simply in close proximity to one another? And what about the person that's a little older and a, and a mask reduces the oxygen level by about 15%? And they get winded faster. Or somebody that's younger that has a, a lung capacity deficiency. Anybody that works in rim plastics, reinforced reactionary injection molding, they have to take a lung capacity test every year. How is it going to affect them? These geniuses that want to send us back to work prematurely ought to rethink all of their little program. Nobody knows when the right time is going to be. I watch the numbers every day. I, and I actually screenshot them, and I've got a record of them, and I'm watching them. Yesterday, the acceleration stopped. We had roughly the same amount that we had the day before. We don't know what today is going to look like until after midnight. Slowing the acceleration is a good thing, but it's not enough to return to work. We need that to virtually come flatline like China. They haven't had over 57 new cases in a month. And that's where we need to be before we can go back to work. We're very close to it. Again, nobody knows the, the correct answer. We're in an economic crisis and we're in a virus crisis. And we're not, in my opinion, and the opinion that I know that I've been talking to with our team 
in any way going to support going back to work and putting our members and the general public and their families at risk of death, no matter how much protective equipment you have. That dog is out of the gate when you didn't do it right up front. I'm, my name's not Dr. Fauci, and I'll tell you this. Fauci said what exactly needed to be said. There are places like Washington State that took early action and their line never, never got geometric and went up, just kind of flatlined. Most of the other states that didn't take early decisive action have a geometric line that goes right straight up. Michigan's number three, New Jersey's number two, and New York's number one. We still had people coming in to Detroit, Metro, and Grand Rapids, and uh, uh, Ford airports until about four weeks ago. They all say they shut them down, but they were still coming into Michigan. And they should have shut that down. And that's the reason that Detroit's still a hot spot. There's a whole lot of blame to go around. But because of that indecision and indecisiveness, it's going to take longer. And you're going to have to just deal with it because we're not going to support people going to back, back to work early. And the chairman at KTP, Kentucky, Kentucky Truck Plant, you need to power down, brother. You need to stop talking about going back to work May 4th. Because this ain't even close to being over. And you don't know what May 4th is going to bring. Yeah, I know it's potential May 4th. But you need to just shut your mouth on this matter. Other people need to make the decision. We're not making it. That's for sure. But we're not going to support going back early. And you are. And your members, by the way, will never elect you again because you don't have their best interests in mind. And I've talked to them. We have team members there. Everybody just take a chill pill. Stop trying to make a name for yourself. Kissing the company's ass. We've had enough of that lately. Everybody, most everybody is tired of being at home. But we got to be patient and use some common sense about this. When the numbers justify it, then we can support it, but not yet. And we're watching them daily. Anybody who needs them, I got them. The answer is not yet. And not in the foreseeable future. It's getting close but they got a ways to go. And the only way we can get those numbers down is keep our ass at home. Comments on that? Yeah, I don't agree with going back to work yet. Um, we've still got too many people dying, work, still working in the plants. Um, 
way too early. Way too early to go back to work. Well, you know, to follow up on too many people, I mean, the the uh, uh, Smithfields, uh, and I think it's South Dakota, had 80. Yes. And then the other uh, pork, uh, the other beef company, I can't recall the name of that, had 160, I think, cases. And they shut, their, shut them down. I mean, people are worried about the, the, the supply chain coming apart. Rightfully so. Okay, and the only way we can stop it is to you know stop going out, keep home. You know, if you're in your car, you're not infecting anybody. If you're going to a park where you're going to walk by yourself, you're not infecting anybody. Have some sanitizer with you. Get some wipes if you can. Certainly wash your hands after you're in any public area or and before. So. You know, you've heard all this, though, but it's not anywhere close. And, and, you know, if we don't really start paying attention, notwithstanding our own personal desire, we could have the food chain collapse on us. And there's people out there behind the scenes talking about it. This is serious, folks. So, Tom, do you, you have anything else to add, added to Jeff's little bit too? Yeah, uh, in reading these uh, ANS uh, automatic notification system uh, uh, announcements coming out from the, the corporation and then some of the information that was uh, uh, put online uh, by the UAW, I, I'm just curious uh, to, uh, and, and hope this doesn't happen, but uh, taking somebody's temperature coming into the plant, certainly that's uh, not a method uh, to determine whether somebody has the virus or not. Uh, we've got to consider the fact that a lot of this virus is being spread around by asystematic people who have no fever, and actually they're the ones that are going around, the majority of those folks, that are spreading this unknowingly. And it's not their fault because there is no testing out there. Plus, you don't uh, get a fever necessarily all the time right right away, and, and you're carrying the virus. So uh, all this talk about the test and all these preventative, these wristband things in the six-foot six method, uh, yeah, those are, those are all trinkets, my friend. And, uh, and uh, I don't know how many folks you know of, uh, uh, Leroy or Jeff, that has actually been tested. And uh, I personally don't know of anyone that has been tested. So, I mean, this stuff is hogwash, you know. And then there's talk about putting up uh, uh, plastic, uh, like you go into grocery stores today, you got these plastic uh, shields up in front of the, the ladies doing the ring outs at the cash register. And, and, and they're not foolproof either. I mean, they're wearing the mask and everything, protecting themselves as best as they can. But uh, here again... Uh, there's other areas you're going to be in when you're on on break, for instance. Uh, are you going to uh, how are you going to handle those situations? I, I mean, until they come out with a test, and I'm sorry, I'm going to use the word test, can, uh, and that curve stays down. I, I, I think the scientists have it right. I think the money makers are fools and they don't give a shit. 
I want to see, if this happens, I want to see, and the unions across this country should demand that every manager, from the plant manager on down, and all your elected union officials, from the chairman and the president of the locals on down, every day come in the plant and stand shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters who are putting their lives at risk if they jump the gun on this thing. Let's see that happen. Let's see that happen. If you're so sure that your methods are going to keep this virus from spreading and killing more people, join the team. Do what the team language that you put out there says to do. Don't hide in some office or communicate to a telephone because you're working at home. Get on the floor with the rest of the folks. Get on the train. Let's ride the bus, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I'm with you 100% Leroy. Thank you, Tom. I, I appreciate all your input. I want to take it one step further. Likely, I've already had it. I had symptoms similar to what it is. I was dizzy. I had pink eye, different from any other flu I've ever had. I was fatigued, chilled, and had a fever in, in, in above 105. And I, I nursed it at home. I was that close to going to the hospital. But I, I said to myself, I haven't crossed that threshold. So I nursed it at home. Nobody else got it. All right. So now I'm, I'm you know, I can go to work all day long if I'm in the plant. Right? I could go in and no problem whatsoever. And because I've had it, I'm not personally going to sneeze on somebody and give it to them. But here's the problem. Somebody went into the local convenience store before I did, and they had it, and they opened the door with their hand. And I make the mistake of not using my sleeve like I normally do but I just grabbed that same door handle. And while I just washed my hands after leaving home going to the work, let's use that scenario, now my hand's affected. Now, I'm not going to affect myself. I'm never going to show a temperature. But I got it on my hand, and I go through the turnstile, push it, using my hand, go to work, touch parts, using my hand, wash my hands after 30 minutes, and get rid of it, but it's on a turnstile on every part that I touched. Some of these jobs you can't use gloves with. And we'll say that's one of those jobs. How many people got infected behind what I just did? We don't know. But it's a risk that you cannot test for. The virus is invisible. And it can be anywhere and everywhere. And we have to be cognizant even today, let alone not going to work. 
But if you go to the local convenience store, don't touch the door handle. If you grab something for consumption, take it home, wipe it off before you use it. Everything is suspect. I know Tom's doing that. Jeff's doing it. I'm doing it. Other people on our team talk about doing it. We have an African-American woman in Detroit. Scared to death. Africans or African-Americans are disproportionately getting the virus and dying. She's on a task force for that, but she's only doing it by Zoom. She's been quarantined in her home six weeks now. Gets outside, walks around the house, come back in. We're all doing it. We are doing our part. If I go help somebody, I wash my hands before I go in. Wash my hands while I'm there. Wipe off any computer keyboard. Finish what I'm supposed to do for them, help them. Wash my hands as I leave. Spray my vehicle with my sanitizer on the steering wheel. My own hands, I wash them with it, the sanitizer. I'm not taking it anywhere, and everything is suspect. And now I can report that, you know, my assistance for elderly people has come to its conclusion. I don't need to go out anymore. I'm here. But I did help a lot of people. So having said all of that, uh, this is serious, people, and what they're proposing isn't effective. Somebody that's already got it can be a carrier, just as I indicated and what Tom indicated. You can't test for this. It's invisible. Invisible. Okay, so I'll ask... uh, Jeff, first, you got anything else to add on anything tonight or anything that we didn't cover, huh? or Jeff? No, I'm good. Tom, you got anything to add? Anything? No, uh, no. Do you want to fill time up, or do you, do you want to go fishing up in the up in the uh, 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 the Great Lakes up there uh, in a motorboat? What do you What do we want to do here? We're an hour and a half. It's been a long show. Probably longer than we thought. But you got anything? Don't you know? Don't hold back. I mean, because I don't know when you know when we're going to have this. It's, it appeared to have that we needed a show to kind of address some of these issues. But most importantly, the one we just talked about. So yeah. I think we've covered it. If you got anything else you want to add to, uh, please do. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, there's so much you could add. There's so much unknown, and, and there's so much fear out there right now. It, 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 you, you really got to watch what you say sometimes because you're you're not helping the situation. In this case, uh, frankly, what, what they're talking about is is a more uh, uh, a monetarial benefit in regards to these startups of some of these large corporations and and. 
people's uh, livelihood uh, in regards to incomes and what have you. And th- those factors come into play with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we've got to start understanding one another. I mean, if, if we don't understand one another and treat each other with respect and dignity, even though, you know, we're, we're different people, and we have different viewpoints, but uh, you go around, and I, I'm sure Jeff and, and you, Leroy, have gone around and looked at some of these conversations here. In uh, a lot of them, we, we've got to take some things out of the equation and start helping people. It, it's exciting to know that there are people out there who had this disease that were near death and came back and out there in the general public every day. And we don't know if this is going to work, donating their blood every seven days so hopefully they may save somebody else you know and and those are the bright things there's plenty of good things out there to look at and uh, doom and gloom is not the answer but we certainly uh, to a brother or sister out there who is frightened and and they have a right to be frightened and people need to understand why they're frightened to help them along with they're going through because it's not easy for a lot of people Leroy you know that out there uh it's not easy for them to thinking about that, that uh, especially in the Detroit area. Go up there and, and think about going back to work right now. I mean, it is too early for some of those folks out there to even think about. But uh, there's a lot of these things that I've seen posted that uh, really I don't think are going to be beneficial to anybody. It's just an excuse to, to open the door. So we'll see what happens, and uh, I hope hopefully uh, – we don't resort to what, – what, what's the expression they use, Leroy? I think I'm going to use the right one here, the herd mentality. Herd mentality. Yeah. Is that the right expression? Yeah. yeah. Blow yeah. it to the wind. Yeah. That's it. Blow it to the wind, my yeah. friend. Herb, herd mentality. So uh, God bless America, and uh, I, I thank God I have friends that I can talk to every day sometimes – reel me in when I get out there on a limb and uh, I know we've all done that so uh, I'm with a great group of people that support me in regards to issues when I'm down I I, I can pick up the phone and talk to them and sometimes uh, they say no Tom you're right and tell me why I'm right because sometimes I don't even understand why I'm right but uh, that's that's what a true friend will do instead of arguing with you and 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 taking it to uh, uh, a point of argument rather than, you know, understanding that person has a problem out there and it's a real problem to them. It may not be to you, but to them there's a problem. And we've all got to understand uh, we're, we're all in the same boat, but uh, uh, it's not always the same circumstances why we're in that boat. And we've, we've got to understand we're, we're unique to, uh, each other in some regards, but in other regards, we're so far apart. So that's all I got to add, Leroy. I, I, uh, how much time do you got to fill? <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're good. Let, I, I just add to what Tom said. Is, you know, he's still talking about the COVID a little bit and, and how we need to be patient and have some common sense. But if we go back to work before it's time, it can make it a lot worse than what we're seeing already. Because places that have not been touched could be if we go back to work too early. And I'll leave that to the leadership of the corporations in our union 
please pay attention is all we're asking. Thank you. Uh, thanks uh, to uh, both Jeff and Tom for their wonderful uh, support in all of this. Our team, people are talking to one another. Um, we need to do that probably even more. But And reach out to all your friends. Say hi. People you haven't talked to in a while, yes, call the phone. Pick the phone up. If you've got a family member you haven't seen or heard from in a while, pick the phone up. Sit down and write them a card. You know, one of the things I'm going to do in the next few days is I've, I've got uh, people that have written me snail mail letters. I'm going to go back to the last five years, and I'm going to write every one of them a little thinking of you card. I'm going to pick a bunch of cards up at the local store uh, because those those shops are closed, but the Myers and big apartment stores have cards. And I'm going to pick up enough. And I'm going to send them all a nice, you know, letter saying I was thinking of in this time. And that's a positive thing you can do. And it'll make us all closer. We need to slow this divide of our country, not, not accelerate it. So let's, no matter what your political persuasion is, reach out and say, hey, I appreciate you. I might not agree with you, but I appreciate you. I had such a conversation this afternoon. Okay? I want to say thanks to all our listeners, all our global listeners, Canada and Mexican listeners, all U.S. union and non-union workers and listeners, all of our UAW listeners. If you found value in this show, please tell just one more person about us. Have fun. Please stay safe during these times. Uh, we're not going to announce another show until we feel it's necessary. We're going to try and lead by example and not be in your face about it. And if something comes up, we need to have a special show or have one next Sunday, we will. But we want to try and lead by example and silence sometimes speaks more than words themselves. So God bless each and every one of you, your higher power, whoever you may have that you uh, admire and pray to. Good night, listeners. Good night, Tom and Jeff. We'll see you soon. Good night, Leroy. Good night, Jeff. Good night, Leroy. Good night, listen. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you soon. Maybe next week, but...